0: It's, it's fun to have a little fun and to not take ourselves too seriously, but to take our mission and who we are as a church very seriously uh, as well. I was thinking about it, what more appropriate offering song is there than that? I mean, I, I, don't, know, I don't know how you can top uh, that, but it's actually very appropriate for today. As you heard, we're continuing our Building to a Hope Beyond uh, campaign. We were joking backstage earlier, and I said, do you think that any other church in America did if I had a million dollars for their offering song today. Probably not. So you're in the right place. Turn your neighbor and say, you chose wisely today. Tell him that. You chose wisely. That's right. You were like, should I go to Hope Des Moines today or not? Oh, God's got something up his sleeve today. And, and you're welcome. You're going to have that in your head the rest of the day. So. You're welcome for that. We are continuing our Building, Hope to, a, Building to a Hope Beyond series today that we're kind of lining up with this giving campaign uh, that we're in, and it's actually very, very appropriate that we sing that song today. Today, we're going to talk about, yes, not so much money, but we're going to talk about generosity today. We're not going to talk about money so much, but generosity, the power of generosity, and one of the reasons that I asked the band uh, to play that song is that our answer to that question is actually very revealing about the condition of our hearts, isn't it? If you had a million dollars, like if I just gave it to you right here uh, today, uh, what what would you do? Some of you maybe start thinking about all the things that you would buy. Uh, some of you are thinking, then, then if I had a million dollars, then I could be generous, right? Man, I would write a big fat check to the church because then I would be rich, because then I and I would buy you know fancy craft macaroni and cheese, and then I would be rich, and then I would be able to be generous. Instead, I think what I hope that we discover today, and I hope that you get by the end of our time together today, is that generosity is not based on how much we have, but rather the condition of our hearts. Let me say that again. Generosity is not based primarily on how much we have, but rather the condition of our hearts. And if we can get that, it'll transform our view. And let me tell you, because of that, Because we're going to be talking about generosity today, I am so excited. I mean, I always look forward to every weekend, and I just get a little giddy to get together with all of you, and it's fun. It's like a big family reunion, it's like a party here uh, every weekend, and we have so much fun, and we learn so much together. But especially this weekend, I knew that I was going to be talking about money, wow, you responded better than last night. That's, I, that's not the response I thought I would get, right? It was kind of crickets in here last night because, right, people don't like to talk about that. And some of you are saying, John, what is wrong with you? Why are you so excited, right? What, what's wrong with you? Most people don't get that excited about talking about money or budgets or, you know, buildings or things like that. And here's the truth. I'm going to be completely honest with you this morning. If you would have asked me to preach on money, like little over just five years ago, I would have been feeling what a lot of you are feeling right now. Well, I did not come to Hope Des Moines on the right Sunday, right? Of all the weeks that I choose to come, it's the money talk. Great, right? And I was right there with you. Five years ago, we were meeting at Hubble Elementary in the gym, and it was very, very clear that God was calling us to have a permanent home in the city. If we were going to expand our mission and our ministry, we needed a 24-7 space. Is that not clear by this morning that there's people hanging from the rafters in here? I mean, it's just kind of evident in that. We needed our own space. But the reality uh, was, is in order to, to get there, we don't focus on money as a church, but it's an important part of our walk with God and our discipleship. I didn't have my head around that at the time, and here's why. I had avoided it as long as I possibly could until we got together as a team, as a staff here at Hope Des Moines, as well as our senior leadership at Hope. And we all talked together and they're like, John, you, you got to do this. I'm like, I know I got to do it, but I don't want to. They're like, you're going to need to stand up and preach and kind of cast the vision. I'm like, I can do that. And then, and then they kind of said, you're probably going to want to talk about money at some point. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. no. I'm not going there. And here's why if we have made anything clear, hopefully over the last 10 years, is that our desire at Lutheran Church of Hope is to be a church for people that don't necessarily like church, to be a church for people that have been burned out on church, for people that have had rotten experiences with church. And one of the, of the many reasons that a lot of people have fallen away from the church, and maybe that's you, and maybe you're just getting back into it and trying it out, is that the perception of church, church people, the perception of Christians is that they're hateful, they're judgmental, they're hypocritical, and boy, do those pastors like to talk about money all the time, right? And I'm like, no, the last thing I want to do is be one more preacher that stands up and talks to people about money and brings all this unnecessarily guilt and pressure upon people. That would have been my response until God started to break our hearts for what breaks his. And he's changed that. God has a sense of humor in a variety of ways. And I kid you not, for the second straight year, I need to stop getting coffee uh, with potential church members the week before I talk about money because here's what happens. For the second straight year, I'm getting coffee. Uh, I don't know if you're here today or maybe the next service. I I can't remember. But uh, you said you were coming today. And it's a a new couple that's here uh, to town. I was getting to talk with them a little bit. I shared a little bit about our vision of the church, and they're, you know, trying out uh, some different churches. And like, you know, I think I really want to come and, and, and check out Hope Des Moines and see what it's all about. And we got to the end of the conversation, like, John, I feel really good about this. We're excited about what God's doing at Hope. I think we're going to come this Sunday. <laughs> and knowing that I'm going to give the money talk, part of me in my head was like, you know what? I don't, I don't know if maybe this is the best Sunday. You know, like, normally I would just say everybody's what... Maybe next Sunday. Yeah, the preacher gets a little long-winded. I don't know if you want to be a part of that. I I didn't say that. I would have. But God has shifted something in my heart, in our hearts as leaders. Everything has changed when it comes to our view of our possessions and money and the church and all of those in the same conversation. And it's our why. Everybody say why. Why. Why? We talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, but I want to bring it back and this time in the context of money, and generosity. Every single one of us has a what and a why. Every uh, job site that you come from, every uh, place of employment, every group, every team, every athletic team, every organization, every business has, has to answer two questions. And the first one is what they do. You make money, you sell insurance, you are a teacher. That's what you do. But also every group, team, organization, church has a why. And every group, individual or collective, has to answer those two questions. There's a what and there's a why. The danger is in the church, and maybe this is the trap that a lot of you have fallen into, and the reason that you don't like church or you say church isn't just my thing is because we just go right to the what. We go right to the what and we ignore the why. Case in point, I probably should pray more and I should read my Bible more and I should go to church more often and I should probably, you know, pray with my kids and teach them The Bible, I probably should get my kids baptized. And we kind of get all these shoulds going of all the what that I should do. And a part of that is I probably should tithe. I probably should give to the church. And the danger is, is that we only focus on the what and we forget the why. But knowing our why has literally transformed a lot of what we do around here. And that is the fact that we know not only is our why for this giving campaign, and I've said it a hundred times We are out of space. Our ministries cannot, we can't add anything more in the space that we're in. We are landlocked. We are in a perfect position, but we are landlocked. And for us to not get this space to our north, this new building that we're hoping to acquire, we are going to be moving into the next decade as a growing, thriving church, landlocked here in the city of Des Moines. That's how important this is. But way bigger than that. That's like the tiny part of the why. The big part of the why is what we've said over and over is that there are still tens and thousands of people in the greater Des Moines metro area that don't know Jesus and don't have a church home. And until that is no longer the case, our job is not done. Amen? Amen. That's why we exist as a church. Our why is our purpose as a church. Our mission is to connect people to the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And when we know our why, it makes the what obvious. For me, when we have a rock-solid view of our why, of our purpose as a church, taking that step to do a giving campaign, and yes, even me having the courage to stand up here and talk about money makes complete sense. Still, it's not fun all the time. It's not easy, but we're going to have some fun today. But it seems like the logical next step for us and what God is leading us to. So yes, all those other reasons for the why, but that why is because God is calling us to step into our calling. It's never been about money or buildings or budgets or being a bigger church. None of that really matters. It's about the mission. And if the mission means that we've got to acquire some more space and do a giving campaign, then I am all for it. I don't want to be sitting here 10 or 15 or 20 years from now talking to my own two kids that are growing up in this church. And they say, yeah, your dad chickened out. (laughs) Your dad was too worried about possibly offending somebody. Your dad was too worried about giving a a sermon, you know, that might, you know, ruffle people's feathers a little bit or get into their business a little bit about, geez, you know, God wants me to pray and read the Bible and go to church, and now God wants my finances? Yeah, he does. He wants all of you because that's where the joy comes, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. That is our why, to step into the calling that God's given us. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Let's read it together nice and loud up on the screen. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Worthy of the calling. So the question becomes, how do we step into that calling? God has not called us to play it safe as a church. God has not called us to be a part of a church so that we can stay in our comfort zone. God has not called us to play it small when it comes to the calling that he's calling us to step into. And so the question becomes, how do we live that out? And I believe that God is calling us as a congregation this fall, 2018, to be a church of radical generosity, radical generosity. Everybody say radical, radical Radical generosity. And so often when we think about generosity and I was praying about today, I thought I could just go up there and just, you know, hit them over the head with the whole money talk and everything like that. But then we would miss the why that would be jumping to the what prematurely. jumping to the what prematurely start with the why. So often we think about generosity, we get lost in the, the, the tripped up on the dollars and cents part of it that we miss the heart. The truth is when we've been loved generously, we generously love. When we've been loved generously, we generously love. All generosity, whether it's our... So what I'm talking about today, it's our time, which we've all been given the same amount of time, right? Every one of us. Our talents. God has given you unique gifts and talents that he's cause, calling you to give for the sake of his kingdom, and our treasure, and financially. So we're not just talking about our money, but our time, our talent, our treasure. All generosity is born in the heart. And to give you a picture of generosity in a much bigger way, to kind of get our hearts stirred a little bit this morning, to give you a picture of radical generosity, we look no further than Jay Leno. Makes complete sense, I know. As you watch this next clip, and it, it actually ties in really well with Veterans Day uh, coming up here, uh, in, in honor of Veterans Day, we look, take a look at some radical generosity. Some of you uh, may know Jay for being on TV, obviously, but he loves muscle cars, and he loves our men and women in service and loves blessing them. And so this is a really cool way that he reached out. And watch, as you watch this video, watch how it not only changes the recipient, but watch how radical generosity changes the giver as well. Let's take a look. How cool is that? It's Just another reminder. It's not our arguments, it's not our debates that changes people. It's love that changes people. That's what generosity is. It's love in action. And some of you might be sitting there going, okay, that's cute and everything, John, but seriously, like, where's my car, right? Where's my Hellcat? Yes, you can say that in church. It's the name of a car, right? (laughs) Where's my car? Like, nobody's been that generous to me right? Nobody's handed me the keys to that. No, they haven't. But every single one of us, I want you to hear me loud and clear this morning. I show you that to tell you, yes, it's a cool story. But I show you that to tell you this. Every single one of us has been given a gift that is far greater and will last much longer than even the coolest muscle car that this world can offer. Even a million dollars is going to fade away. Okay? Every single one of us has been given a gift that's bigger and will last much longer than that, and that is eternal life and the love that you and I have in Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to be with us. One of the things I love about that video is how Jay just sat with him in his pain. Did you notice that? Very pastoral of him. He just sat there. Ethan said, I don't don't know. I have a lot of pain. I have a lot of hurt, and I don't know if I'm going to make a full recovery. And I love that Jay didn't try to fix it or fancy it up. He just said, that must be really hard. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. He came, and he walked in our shoes, and he sat in our pain and our wounds with us and said, yes, I hurt with you. I weep with you. I know, but I'm going to take all of your sin and all of your guilt and all of your shame and all of your past, even your eventual death, and I'm going to take it to the cross. This is the happy exchange. I'll take all of that from you, Jesus says, and in exchange, I will give you a rich and satisfying and full life that has nothing to do with how much you have in your bank account or the size of your house, or if you have a house at all. Jesus says, I have come to give you everlasting life, and that is something that money can't buy, that the world can't touch, and you can experience a love and a freedom and a peace and a joy. And Jesus says, here's the keys to eternal life. That's the greatest gift that you could ever receive. Amen? Amen. That's generosity. That is getting something that you don't deserve, and in the, in the world of the church, we have a word for that, and it's called grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. That's getting something that you don't deserve. And when we experience that, when we experience grace, it's God's grace that unlocks generosity in our hearts. It's the grace of Jesus Christ that unlocks generosity, whether it's your time or your talent and your treasure. The natural response of a heart that has been ravaged by the grace of God that has been ravaged by the grace of God is to realize that every single thing that you and I have is a gift. The breath that was in your lungs when you woke up this morning, the only natural response to that is to live a life of radical generosity. Later on in our passage in 2 Corinthians 9 that Mac read for us this morning, verse 14, Paul says, and we pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace that God has given to you. I love verse 15. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. Do you ever look around during worship and you see some of these like weird Lutherans around you? Like, no, they're not saying touchdown for the Vikings game. They're like all in, right? With their hands up. You know what that is? It's just an outward expression of what God's doing on the inside. It's not a show. It's not a production. That's why I stand in the back. I don't want to be a distraction because I got all this Holy Spirit Lutheran stuff going on back there. Sometimes you just want to respond. It's, it's a grace. It's a love that's too wonderful For words. That's what we do when we've received God's grace. That's our why. (laughs) That's our why. That's how we keep a healthy view of money, how we stay on the road and we avoid the two ditches that when it comes to talking about money and the church. I would be remiss if I gave you a sermon on money and didn't root it in the truth of the gospel that we have been radically loved by Jesus Christ. And that is why we love radically. Amen? So that's where we start, and yet what I love about the Bible is that it doesn't keep us in either of these extremes or these ditches when it comes to money and the church. On one extreme, it's the way that I was five or ten years ago, is I'm just going to avoid it, right? Because I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, so we just won't talk about money. The problem is Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. Over 2,000 times money and possessions are talked about in the Bible. So for us not to talk about it is to avoid a large part of the Bible. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to avoid it. But then the other ditch, and maybe what some of you have experienced, and we are like, oh, giving campaign, right? I don't want to be a part of that. This is going to be awkward. Because you have been a part of a church experience before where the campaign was like this never-ending epic saga. And every single week, the pastor talked about money. And we're just going to put all this unnecessary guilt and pressure on you because we have made money our hope. Remember the song we sang this morning? Who's our living hope? how much is in our bank account? No, it's Jesus Christ, right? And so we're putting our hope and our trust in him. And so people have asked me, John, are you worried about the results of the campaign? And honestly, I can honestly say no, (laughs) because it's not about us and it's not about me. This is God's church. And he's going to grow it the way that he wants to. And our job is to be faithful to that. And so instead of those, one of those two ditches or extremes when it comes to money in the church, what I love about the Bible and what I love about Jesus is that he just confronts it head-on. Neither of those approaches are biblical. And so we get this understanding from Scripture that's very, very practical for how we see it in our own lives. And there are three words that start with P. Same with me. Everybody say priority. priority. Everybody say percentage. Priority. Everybody say progressive. Not the car insurance company, the way that God wants us to give, okay? So priority, percentage, and progressive. And this is explored more in depth. If you haven't picked up your packet yet, we want you to understand money from a biblical perspective. And there is way more that I can cover than I can cover in a short sermon. And it's all in a giving guide, which is one of the handouts in the folder. So make sure you grab one of these if you haven't been uh, to an open house already. We want to encourage you to dig deeper into that. So first is priority. Everybody say priority. If we're going to understand money and possessions, we've got to understand whose they are to begin with, which is not ours. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 24, verse 1. Let's read it together. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. I don't know how much direct the Bible can get, right? It's not about you and it's not yours. Everything we have is not Ours. But if we believe that some of the things we have are ours, like I'll give that to God, or that's my spouse's, or that's my kids, but these are mine, right? Dangerous, dangerous words. Mine, right? My money, my house, my car, my possessions. Scripture tells us a different story. If you believe everything you have is yours, giving is not going to make any sense. Generosity is not going to make every, any sense. Here's a helpful way to understand it. Sometimes it's helpful to have a little visual as well. If you think about the way that you think about your finances, and maybe you've never said this out loud, but there's two different ways uh, to view this, kind of essentially two different triangles in the way that we view this. And the first triangle, the first way that we view our finances, if you can see that, is it starts with me. Everything in, our, in, in my life is pointing to me and about how I want to live. I am the number one priority in my life. Whatever feels good to me, whatever I think is good. And when it comes to our money and our possessions, the way that that sort of plays out is that the first priority, the first value that we have is to live. That's the number one value that we have in our priorities. Is It's I want to live where I want to live, how I want to live with this amount of money in the bank and spend my money the way that I want to. I want to have a certain lifestyle. And we would never say this, but essentially that I'm going to come and kind of ask God to fit into my agenda, into my lifestyle. Our number one priority is to live. And that's important, all the things to live. You don't want to have clothes. You want to have uh, a roof over your head. You want to have shelter. You want to have food. uh, You got to, you know, binge on Netflix, all the essentials in life, Right. You got to live, okay? And then a lot of us would say, I think that saving is a good thing, especially if you've heard of Dave Ramsey and the FPU class that we do here at Hope. I think a saving is good, but I'll save if I have anything left. Okay, that's the difference here, I, is, is I'm going to live the way I want to live, and if I have any left over, I will save. And then last but not least, I haven't met anybody that doesn't want to be generous, and so the last priority, we would maybe never say this, but why the way we view our budget is to give. If I happen to have anything left over, if I have a few bucks left over, then I'll you know, give it to my favorite charity, or maybe if I remember to bring it to church, I'll give it to the church. But that's the order, it's about me and what I want to do in my life. If I have anything left over, I will give. And that seems to make a lot of sense. Some of you are like, yeah, that, that, that seems like a good plan. The problem is that's not what the Bible says. Because here's the reality. Jesus wants to flip this into a more biblical way of thinking about our money. And as you can imagine, Jesus wants to flip it upside down. And instead of you being at the top and your agenda and your ideas being the top priority, God wants to be the number one priority in your life. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things, whatever those things are in your life, all these things will be added onto you. So with God as the top priority, with his agenda for our lives because everything is God's, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the very first thing we do, the first thing that we think of when God blesses us, when God gives us something, whether it's our time, our talent, or treasure, we say, God, I'm going to give the first of it back to you. You are the, the first priority, it was never mine to begin with. So that's the first, prior, the first thing that I think about is giving. And then it's very important to save. The Bible talks a lot about this. We want to live with wisdom. And there's a couple things that saving does for us, is that saving allows us to make a living. It allows us to take care of our family. It allows us to bless other people. And the other very important thing that it does, it allows debt not to get its hooks in us. Jesus knew that. He talked about money so much because it can become so easily that small G God, or as the Bible calls it, an idol in our lives. Whatever controls us, and it doesn't matter if you have a lot or a little, that can affect all of us. How many of you have been stressed or worried about money in the last year, right? The Bible says you can walk alongside Jesus and he can help you with that so that it does not have to be that way. You can experience joy and freedom when it comes to money. And then, of course... The Bible knows we got to live, and that's all important. However, the difference between these two, this is saying, God, come along and bless my agenda. This one is saying, God, I want to adjust my lifestyle to your agenda for my life. The ultimate difference between those two, the view of what we have in our lives, is this first triangle is that some of us believe that we are entitled The world owes me something, right? The second view, the biblical view, is that we are in stewards, and I am entrusted. Which view do you have? Some of you would never maybe say that, but that's kind of what the world tells us. There's a lot of Christians that operate from this perspective and think that they're doing it God's way. And this isn't meant to be a guilt or pressure thing. God says, I want you to view this my way and live it my way so that you can experience the freedom. Jesus wants to flip it upside down. Because everything we have is grace, we put him first. So that's the priority issue there. Whether you make $20,000 or not even $20,000 or $200,000 or whatever it is, We honor God with the first fruits of what we've been given. That's the top of the triangle. Proverbs 3, verse 9 puts it this way. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. First, it's not a day-by-day, month-by-month, year-by-year decision. That's locked in. Then God calls us to save, and then God calls us to live. So our first priority, the priority is our key. The second one is percentage. Everybody say percentage. Scripture lays out this beautiful model for us called tithing. Tithing. Where does this idea idea come from? It's giving the first 10% of what we have to the Lord. It's called tithing. And we get this all over the Old Testament. Genesis, Numbers, Leviticus, all over. And if you think it was just an Old Testament uh, thing, Jesus lifts it up again in the Gospels, particularly in Matthew chapter 23, if you want to dig into that a little bit more. But if we're honest, I think, and this is where I've been, too, in, in, uh, in past years, is that we kind of view money as like, well, like praying and reading my Bible and, and worship and, and all of that. John, why can't we talk about more biblical things? Let's just leave my money out of it. Oh, see, then we've already lost it, right? We've already gone down that road. It was never ours to begin with. Finance. Tithing, giving, is a spiritual discipline just like any of those other things. If you're training to run a marathon, right, you're not going to go from couch potato to running 20 miles the next day, right? So we have to train ourselves in that, and tithing is one of those things. Jesus talks about money a lot because he knew how it would get its hooks in us. And some of you are like, well, I'm not rich, so this doesn't apply to me, right? Giving and campaign stuff, that doesn't apply to me. Gallup did this poll, very interesting. They interviewed thousands of people all over the country. And one of the questions that they asked people in all different socioeconomic levels is they asked them, define rich. (laughs) Define rich. What does that mean? And it should be no surprise to us that every single one of those thousands of people defined rich differently, right? And here's what they found. For every person, they defined rich as almost exactly double the amount of what they currently have that's how they defined rich it's a moving target what does that mean for us the fact is you will never feel like it's the right time to give you will never feel like you're ready to give instead what if this campaign was about learning to trust god i know we say that i'm going to trust god and you're going to pray sometime this week god help us to trust help us to trust me to trust you more and god's going to respond okay, let's do that. Like, what if you really did that? Not what I feel comfortable with, but what God is calling me to give. Do you really trust that if you do it God's way, that he's going to take care of you and all those things will fall into place? The next question I get is, John, this is great and this is cute and everything, but there is no way that I can give 10%. That's a lot. 10%, that's a lot. I I can't even do 1% or 2%. And hear me say this. If you are not able to take care of your basic needs, if you're not able to take care of your family, don't sacrifice that to give to the church. If you are not able to take care of your basic needs and your family, giving to the church is the last thing that you should feel guilty about, okay? But some of you are there, but you can give in other ways with your time and your talents. Others of you can give, it's just gonna take a little bit of discipline. That's why when we do our Financial Peace University classes, when we talk about that, these classes are very well attended because there's a lot of people that can give, they just need some discipline in it. So if you're giving 1%, ask God, how can we give 3? If you're at 3, how can we give 5? And work yourself up to 10. 10 is not a magic number. It's not a target that you reach and you're like, yep, I'm good, right? It should change over time. And that's the progressive part of it. Everybody say Progressive progressive. Giving is something that should change over time. So where you can give to a campaign like this, which is above and beyond your normal giving, your normal tithing, which is where many of you are as well. This isn't about some checklist where it's like, I got to my 10% and that's going to be that way for the rest of my life. This is about your heart. And it would be so easy to talk about percentages and money until you talk to people that have actually lived this out. You're like, John, it's easy for you to stand up there and preach about it, right? There are so many of you that have taken God up on his way of viewing this and that God has literally set you free and changed your your view of generosity. And so a couple weeks ago, I introduced you to Mike and Mimi Reed, who were uh, one half of our campaign uh, director team. And today, I want to introduce you just really briefly to the other half of our campaign directors, members of Hope Des Moines here. Would you give a warm welcome up to the stage to Mark and Lori Nelson? Awesome. So Mark and Lori have been a part of our team that has been working uh, for months. They've been working for a long time, uh, helping us out with this uh, in a variety of ways. And I wanted uh, you to meet them, not only to uh, get them up front for you uh, to thank them, but to them to share a little bit of their story as well. So would you guys just share uh, really briefly who you are, how you came to Hope Des Moines, and a little bit more uh, of that story?
1: Um, I'm Lori Nelson. This is my husband, Mark Nelson. He's the director of Freedom for Youth. I'm a certified medical assistant, work full-time, started going to, well, we have three daughters, first yeah. of all, and yeah. two grandchildren. And oh, yeah. we started at Hope West Des Moines when it was at Living History Farms. Wow. So we've been involved in a few campaigns. Yeah, perpetual
0: giving campaigns. <laughs> so yeah.
1: Um, over the years, the girls were involved in all the ministries at Hope growing up through preschool mm. and the Bible schools and just um, the high school ministries. It's yeah. been very, really good. Yeah. Um, we then became Empty Nesters, and <laughs> <laughs> about five years ago, we joined, we went down to Hope Des Moines at Hubble, yeah. and we just were connected almost innocent, in, instantly. We yeah. just love it here.
0: Yeah, that's so. awesome. We're, we're really glad you're here as well. <laughs> so, obviously, uh, you guys have been through uh, a few of these campaigns, but particularly at Hope Des Moines in the last few years, we've been talking a lot about the why, but for you guys, What's your view on the why? What's the, the heartbeat of the purpose of why we're doing this from your vantage point? What do you love about what God is doing at Hope Des Moines? What are some of the ways that you've seen him here at work from your, your vantage point?
2: Yeah, uh, we love it here at Hope. It just, it feels like a family church mm. to us and yeah. the intimacy of it. We love, uh, we love the diversity of the church. That mm. There's so many people from different walks of life here. Mm. Um, and I think for us, what we really love is, um, that the gospel is preached here and you know, the gospel has the power to change lives Hmm. and it certainly has changed our life. Hmm. And so what could be more exciting than watching God change lives here? And that's what we feel happens here at Hope. And so it's just a great church we feel to be a part of.
0: That's awesome. So uh, we kind of joked earlier about how long you guys have been a part of Hope, almost from the very beginning uh, when there was, you know, 20, 30 people uh, as well. So the, one of the cool things about being a part of a growing church is that it's just kind of a perpetual giving campaign because God keeps uh, growing us as well. But because you have that perspective, there's a lot of people that are sitting out here that are going, I just started coming and all of a sudden we're talking about money and buildings and budgets and all those things it can be a little overwhelming. From your perspective, because you've been through so many of these, what, how has the way that you've seen God work at Hope over the years, how has that changed your perspective on your own generosity and what God is capable of? What has that experience taught you, I guess?
1: Um, you know, over the years, it seemed like all the campaigns have, or the goals have seemed large to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's really, um, we've increased our prayer life through this. We've become stronger prayer partners. Um, we've met a lot of people through the the campaigns. Yeah. Um, it's allowed us to stretch our faith and all of a sudden it kind of becomes something we get to do instead of that we have to do. Yeah. Um, and when you see God coming through, it's just so cool knowing that you're a part of it.
0: Right. Just right. really
1: been blessed by that.
0: Yeah. And you've seen him come through again and again and again. And I I know there's still that maybe that myth out there that these sorts of campaigns are for people that are rich, right? Well, we've always kind of already defined that that's sort of a moving target and that's based on our own assumptions. But as you guys think about, you know, people that may be here today that are saying, you know, I don't, I don't have that much to give. So I don't really feel a part of the campaign. Uh, How does God view that differently? What has God taught you about wherever we're at on our journey, we can kind of all be a part of his mission. What has God taught you about that?
2: Yeah, I think through the different campaigns that we've been a Mm -hmm. part of, we've been at different life situations and where we haven't been able to give as much and then maybe times when we've been able to give more. But I really feel that God is not looking at us as this person's giving more than this person. It's not what it's about. Um, As you have said, God's interested in our heart, and he wants to know – You know, what is our heart condition? And I believe that when we pray about this, he's going to give each of us, um, you you know, an amount. Uh, Here's what I would like you to do. And then it becomes uh, obedience. Are we going to be obedient to what he calls us to do? And so I don't think it has to do with amounts. And um, I shared with John, um, as being part of Freedom for Youth um, one of the things I've been privileged to do every year is to speak at the chapel at the Iowa State Penitentiary, which is the maximum security prison in Fort Madison. And the first year I was there was 15 years ago. And I was sharing about what God is doing through Freedom for Youth and helping inner city kids. And this man came up to me when we were done And you could almost see the tears in his eyes. And he said, if I would have had something like that when I was young, maybe I wouldn't be sitting here. From that point on, for 15 years, we've gotten $5 a month given to us from this man. And and he told me once he makes 33 cents an hour working in the wood shop at the penitentiary. And so... But you, you should hear the letters that he writes with these gifts about how I'm so excited to be able to help and to be able to, to you know, help these kids and, and use this to perpetuate the kingdom of God. And uh, I honestly think that's his joy, you know. Probably in a place where he doesn't get much joy, um, this gives him tremendous joy in that gift.
0: Just, yeah, it's just, yeah, you can praise God for that. Absolutely. That's so cool. So cool. Just further emphasizes the point. Generosity is not about how much we have. It's about the condition of our heart. I mean, that's a perfect illustration. Wherever you're at. Uh, on your financial journey uh, as well. well. I just want to thank Mark and Lori for everything that they've done. Like I said, we've had a campaign team that's working, been working behind the scenes now for a couple months, and Mark and Lori have been such a huge part of that and just want to thank you for all that you do as a part of our Hope Des Moines community, as leaders and as uh, prayer warriors for everything that's going on here and for your leadership in getting us to this point uh, in the campaign. Thank you guys so much for everything that you do. <laughs> You know, as Mark shares that story about the gentleman that may be at a very different place on his journey, that maybe some of you are at as well. I wanted to end today by sharing with you a story that kind of is on the opposite end of the spectrum. As we talk about giving being progressive, <laughs> I was about twelve or fifteen years ago now. I was helping out at a church in Colorado, and we were doing a preaching series very similar to this, and talking about money and stewardship. And a, a guy came up to me; he was a very well-to-do businessman. I can't remember if he had a cowboy hat on or not, but man, did he have a thick accent. I think he was from Texas or somewhere in the South, and he came up, and all I remember is saying, Pastor John, I got something to talk to you about, right? And I was going to try to do the rest of this in that accent, but I'm going to mess it up, so I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) Pastor John, he said. Uh, he said, I got something to tell you about my tithing. I'm like, whoa, buddy, I don't, I don't need to know about it. He's like, I know you don't, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So just for the record, I have never and will never know what any of you give. That is completely between you and God. I stay f- as far away from money as I possibly can uh, in this church. But this, this cowboy came up to me, and, and uh, he, I knew he was pretty well off. He was a middle-aged businessman. He was doing very well. And he came up to me, and he said, Pastor John, I want, I want you to know God has blessed me financially. But more more so than that, Jesus, Jesus has changed my life. And because of that, I want to give everything I can. He said, we're not a perfect church. We weren't then, and we're certainly not here. (laughs) We're not a perfect church, but that's not the point. We don't give because it's a perfect church. We give because it's an imperfect church, because God is capable of doing things here that we could never do on our own strength. And he said, God has blessed me financially, and Jesus has changed my life. And then he said this, I'll never forget it. John, for me to give anything less than 25%, for me to give anything less than a 25% tithe would be, (laughs) I would be missing out on so much joy and I would be robbing so many people of the blessing that that money could bring. I just wanted you to know that. I'm like, I didn't need to know that, but thank you. I'll use it as a sermon illustration 10 years from now. Here's what I love about that. Giving, not only it blesses the people, it's going to change the city. We're not playing church here. We're growing the kingdom. But don't forget about, it's going to change you. And for a lot of you, it already has. It's a get-to, not a got-to, as Mark and Lori said. It changes us. For some of you, you can give, and it's going to take some discipline. For some of you, you can give. And the biggest barrier right now is that you're clinging to it. And I want to challenge you this morning. Who is going to miss out on that blessing because you are clinging and holding to it so tightly something that was never yours? I have no problem standing up here and casting this vision and saying, it's worth it. I believe that with everything that I am. It is worth it. There is nothing more important than we could do than change people's lives. And the only way that's going to happen is as his local church grows and we connect people with the love of Jesus Christ. This is not about me. This is not about Lutheran Church of Hope. This is about the kingdom of God. Amen? And it's worth it. And so our challenge to you, we we could have come up with all these fancy, you know, mottos and twist your arm slogans and everything like that. You want to know what our motto is? Pray about it. Some of you are like, John, what's the number? What's the bottom line? There is no number. Oh, yeah, we have our goals, some pretty lofty ones, some serious business. (laughs) But pray about it. What you give is not what you used to give. It's not what somebody else is giving. It's not what you think you should give or what seems logical. Ask God what you should give, pray about it, and then listen. Learn to listen and then give as an act of faith. And when you do, you will experience the joy that comes with less of you and more of God. It's our one of our main scriptures uh, that... Uh, Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read it uh, together. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so the prayer is simply this. God, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will for Hope Des Moines? God, what do you want to do through me? God, I'm going to align myself with your agenda, with you at the top, not my own agenda. What do you want to do through me? Way deeper than money, God wants your heart. He wants all of you. He doesn't want you to put, you know, your Sunday self in or your your religious duty in or or, or just a part of you in or your prayer life or your spiritual life. He wants all of your life. He doesn't want you to put part of yourself in and then take a part of it out or put a part of it in and maybe shake it all about. He wants (laughs) all of you. He wants All of you, he wants your whole self in, not just a part of you in when it comes to his mission and this campaign, not just a part of it in and then you take a part of it out when it's more or less convenient. He wants you to put your whole self in. You put your whole self in and then you shake it all about, right? You do the, we should do it. Let's do it. It's the only proper way to end a sermon about money because there's so much joy in giving. So stand on up. Jed's gonna help me out here. Let's do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're really doing this. We're really doing this. Everybody up top in the lobby, when it comes to giving, God wants us to put our whole self in. He wants our hearts, okay? So help me out. Let's do it together. Everybody take out your right arm. Let's do it together. You put your right arm in. You take your right arm out. You put your right arm. What do you do? And you shake it all about. Here we go. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about left arm! You put your left arm in you take your left arm out You put your left arm in and you shake it all about What do you do? You do the hokey-pokey and you turn yourself around That's what... Your whole self! Your whole self! You put your whole self in You take your whole self out You put your whole self in and you shake it all about What do you do? You do the hokey poke and you turn yourself around That's what it's all about. Give yourselves a round of applause. That was awesome. So what do you do? What do you do when God has given you everything you put your whole self in? That's what it's all about. Thanks for coming to church. Commitment Weekends next weekend. We'll see you there. Go be the church. God bless you.